Hey guys, this week I get into it with Ian, and as you can imagine, it ran a little longer than usual, so we're breaking up the episode into two parts. Part one's airing right now, and in a few days we'll drop part two. Thanks for listening. A lot of these Bitcoin content creators are early Bitcoiners that it doesn't even matter if their podcast makes money. They are already wealthy. They're so able to do. So what does that mean? We should just trust and believe everything they say and do. You don't have to trust and believe them. They are living proof that this Bitcoin system helped them escape. But there are people who made a ton of money off random altcoins, right? And I'm willing to bet that a large percentage of them will lose all of it. Because they're gamblers. Because they're gamblers and because the they take... Bitcoiners t- are better than them. They're, they're ga- not gamblers. They're gamblers and they take their winnings back into the old system. Maybe. That's why they're losers. Maybe. That's why they eventually lose because they have to keep winning at crypto. to the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. I'm Mandana. I'm Ian. That's Keon. And, and we're, we're the, the Recepies. My husband loves Bitcoin, and once a week, I let him talk my ear off about it. Yeah, I'm a real cheap date. Cheap, maybe, but it's a lot of work. If I'm going to do something, may as well do it the best way possible. And Flirting with Bitcoin is audience-funded without ads or sponsors. Mm-hmm, this ain't your grandma's podcast. This is Podcasting 2.0. But we can't do this for free, babe. We have Bitcoin to buy and a new mouth to feed. <laughs> See? Our son agrees with me. If and when people enjoy the show, they can support us by giving us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever they're listening. They can share episodes on their social media, and of course, they can send us some money. Obviously, I prefer Bitcoin, and the best way to send us some is through our two favorite apps, Strike and Fountain. Ah, let's explain how that works at the end of the episode for anyone curious. Sure, babe. But I still like real money, and so if you want to support us... Babe, babe, Bitcoin is real money. Sure, but if you want to support us with old school money, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com and subscribe. We offer monthly and yearly subscriptions that come out to less than a dollar an episode. To all our fountainheads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show to cash in on our bounty program. Make that money, honey. Y'all ready? Hey, Keon, you ready, baby? Let's go. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mandana. Hola to Spain. Guten Tag, Germany. Hello, Canada. Good day, UK. Hola, Argentina. And hola to Brazil. Buongiorno, Italy. Sawadi, Thailand. Konnichiwa, Japan. And, and howdy, howdy to Texas. Texas. What time is it, babe? The current time is 792-865, and we're approximately 1,046 blocks since our last recording. And if I gave you one U.S. dollar, how many acres could I get on sunny Bitcoin Island? Today, you could get 3,674 acres, a.k.a. Satoshi's. On sunny Bitcoin Island. So, babe, could you explain why we say acres instead of Satoshis usually? It goes back to one of our episodes in season one where I was trying to help you imagine Bitcoin as like this new country that emerged on the Internet. And it has its own uh, currency, which is Bitcoin or BTC. And it has its own loosely termed government in that the rules of the Bitcoin network uh, govern everyone who lives in said country. And so when you take that analogy a little bit further, you end up with, well, if there's 100 million Satoshis uh, in a Bitcoin, that means that there's... 21 million times 100 million, which is 2.1 quadrillion 
Satoshis that will ever exist. And so we just kind of said Satoshis are acres on this newfound country. And there's 2.1 quadrillion of them. And today you can get 3,674 of them for one US dollar. Yeah, I think we started this around, I just looked it up, episode 30, one block at a time. And that's when you like first presented Bitcoin as like a way to measure time and those types of things. I think that's when we started talking about acres on sunny Bitcoin Island as well. Yeah, it was definitely like season one. Um, that's definitely a season one topic. If you've, if you've come to the podcast in season two, uh, season start January. So <laughs> if you've started with us in season two, um, you might've missed that episode and there might've been a little confusion based on some of the comments recently about why do we say acres instead of Satoshi's, but it's a callback to earlier stuff. I'm like, yeah, I, I think, uh, a lot of the things are tied to how Ian is trying to teach Bitcoin to me. And there are things that clicked for me, and so we just keep it going. But I, I do think it's a little confusing still. I don't think it's Satoshi's at all. And I kind of don't believe that you do either, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> um, but what are some other tangible things, like when it comes to eggs or beef or gas? Like, what's their price into Satoshi's? Yeah, so in that vein of the acres, we started, or I started adding to the, the opening of the show, some more like consumer products that people would know and recognize, eggs, beef, and gas. And so eggs are 7,367 Satoshis for a dozen. Ground beef is 17,011 Satoshis for a pound. And gas is down almost 10% from our last recording to 9,074 Satoshis for a gallon. So gas is going down generally for the summer. I mean, we'll see, right? Like these prices come from uh, priced in Bitcoin21.com. And as I said in previous episodes, like I'm not 100% sure where they get their data set. But if you continually use the same data set, then you should see the same. What's the what's the thing in statistics? It should be accurate, but not precise or precise, but not accurate. I forget which one this would be, but um, as long as we keep using price in Bitcoin21.com, then any movement that we see is going to be relative to all the other numbers we've said. I don't necessarily think that it's the gas is going down because of like summer and giving people cheaper energy for their, their summer vacations. I think the price of gas is going down because there's just less people buying gas because they have nowhere to go because they have no money to spend. Yeah, that could be also true. <sighs> What's wrong, babe? I don't know. I guess I'm worried I'm not saving enough money in Bitcoin. Aren't we all? You don't seem worried. Like with most things, you just gotta set a goal and work towards it. But even with a goal, the price of Bitcoin changes so much, it's hard to keep track. I understand. That's why I created the Satoshi Savings Calculator. And how can that help? First, you decide how much Bitcoin you want to acquire. One Bitcoin. Great. Then you gotta decide how much time you want to give yourself to acquire that Bitcoin. Before the next halving, duh. That's also great because the calculator only lets you pick halving dates. Anything else I need to enter? Just how often you want to buy and which currency you want to use. Oh, so rather than buying it all at once? To loosely quote Desmond Tutu, if you want to save a whole Bitcoin, you got to do it like you eat an elephant. One bite at a time. That's gross, Ian. But true. Focus, babe. Where can I find this calculator? The pod's website, flirtingwithbitcoin.com. Wait, you haven't been to the website yet? Um, let's get back to the show. Thank you so much for the info, babe. shout outs we missed uh shout outs last week so here are the top boosts over 500 sats from the past two episodes uh episode 61 securing the bag which is one of our most popular episodes ever um first up we bought was a baller boost so thank you for that uh next is 
Acerbic, Cindy EO, T Joel N39, Hunter SF770, Doug and Rope, Zordon, remember J uh, <laughs> Remember J Stark, Jingles, and Netch said. Uh, from episode 62, Future So Bright, Gene Everett, I Love Sushi, Acerbic, in the morning, and remember J Stark. Yeah, so one thing I want to call out, people that are listening to this, we're going to consider you our kind of continuous listeners. Um, Oi, we for the ladies. Um, because of his two baller boosts, we're actually going to increase the payout for clips for this particular episode. That's purely on the function of him being so generous. So for clips for this show, we're giving out 500 and 500. So if you make a clip on Fountain for this episode, you'll get 500 sats. If you post it on Noster, Noster. You get 500 sats there. Oh, so it's got to be a good episode. I got to bring it? I think it's going to be good. <laughs> All right, we'll see. I have a sneaking suspicion this is going to be a good episode. If Keon lets us get through the whole recording. We can caveat that as well. <laughs> but we got like some really great feedback from our listeners lately. Yeah, I mean, most of it was triggered, I think, by episode 61, um, Securing the Bag. We kind of covered a lot in that episode, which I... When we were doing it, I thought it was going to be a lot. But yeah. I think, like, somebody got something out of every single one of those, like, sections. Yeah, it's funny because when Ian went over what he wanted to talk about, I was like, this is too much. Let's just talk about this. And he was like, yeah, let's just talk about that. I agree. And then I just kept asking questions. And so when we finished recording, Ian's like, I thought we agreed that we were going to keep it brief. And I was like, you can't be brief on this stuff. It's complex. Everything kind of connects to each other. Everyone has like a unique need when it comes to it. But like having that conversation last year and one of our first episodes was too much for me. Whereas now I understand it so much better. So I think it's like a conversation that you need to have with yourself if you hold Bitcoin on a regular basis. And I think it was helpful for people to hear your perspective and thought process on what why you pick what you've picked. And I thought like the ledger comments were really interesting because some people were like, yeah, I was hesitant about ledger lately. And other people were like, I was upset that you were in favor of ledger last year. When you're kind of early in your Bitcoin journey, as I was when I purchased ledger, if you don't understand why Bitcoin only ledger seems like a very rational decision to make because it can hold a lot of different cryptos. Right. And so they have this little app. And you can install a wallet onto Ledger to hold, really shouldn't even say these names on the pod, but like you can hold Ethereum on your Ledger. You can hold XRP on your Ledger. You can like, hold- Like don't say Voldemort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can hold all these other cryptos on your Ledger. And so if you come to crypto, which usually starts off for most people as myself, if you come to crypto and you're like looking at all these options, buying a wallet that supports all those options makes the most sense if you're trying to be a rational, secure person. But once I became Bitcoin only, it was really just a matter of time of like- okay, when am I going to move my stuff off my ledger? And it wasn't really a problem, you know? And I would say that I would argue that that marketing campaign of like wear your ledger around your neck was the real first reminder of like, oh yeah, I own ledgers, you know? <laughs> like, Because mm-hmm. up until then, it didn't really like, to me, it didn't really matter. I only have the Bitcoin app installed on the ledgers that we have. So it's not like they're holding a bunch of other cryptos and it was fine. But Considering this latest security fiasco, as I've said on the show and I said in the comments, like it's very obvious that they're not Bitcoiners. And I think 
if you're listening to this podcast, if you take away nothing, one of the easiest tests you can do is, are they selling me crypto or are they selling me Bitcoin? Are they a company that says Bitcoin, not crypto? Or are they a company like, oh, there's room for everybody. Anybody who says that is probably a scammer at this point. And Ledger fell into that category kind of twice this year. There's a different story that happened. A company similar to Unchained made a similar pivot where they were only Bitcoin and they're like a multi-sig company. You can do like uh, collaborative custody, you know, like Nunchuck. And then out of nowhere, they were like, oh yeah, and we support Ether now. And everybody was like, what? And what happened to them? They still exist. The name of the company is Casa. But a lot of people similar to Ledger just were like, well, I'm getting all my Bitcoin off of your product. That is going to be very important going into the next halving and the next cycle. It's like you want your Bitcoin separated from any other type of scam or whatever, because you don't know what the attack surface on those other cryptos can be. So if Ethereum, for example, blows up and somehow manages to take down Casa and your Bitcoin's on Casa, that has nothing to do with your Bitcoin. That's just because they decided to also support Ether. Any other feedback that you wanted to comment on? Yeah, I mean, I just covered the, the Ledger thing. So obviously anybody who had comments about Ledger, hopefully that is a more even more direct answer from last time. Oi, we for the ladies. He didn't have a comment, but he made two really good points. One is that he, um, when he first set up his lightning app, um, he got scammed, which is not funny in like a, you know, laughing at you way, but it's like, here we go. We have a listener. They got scammed setting up a lightning wallet. Yeah. His comment says, uh, you know, plebs don't realize how much effort explore exploit takes. That's a type of scam or a hack. Um, and sometimes results in being exploited. The first time I tried a lightning app, I got scammed. I had a seed, you know, it was 12 words, but so did they. They had his 12 words. If so someone, how do they get someone's 12 words? It goes back to like who generated those 12 words for you? How were they generated? Oh, you don't change the words or you can change the words? For what? For your seed. The The 12 words and changing them are different from the process that generated them. Yeah. So like you can create a brand new wallet in Sparrow Wallet, mm-hmm. right? And it'll prompt you. It'll show you the 12 words. You write them down, right? Mm-hmm. And then it will basically prompt you to enter them all back in to make sure you run them down correctly. Sparrow's open source. So you can go check the code to make sure that Sparrow didn't send those 12 words somewhere else, uh-huh. a la what Ledger is doing, mm, yeah. right? And so you can be confident that those 12 words, maybe there's a something on your computer that got them, but Sparrow didn't send them off your computer. Okay. What it sounds like what happened to Oi, we for the ladies, is that they sent his 12 words somewhere else. They had them also. Wow. Right? So, like, they probably showed them to him. He probably wrote them down, right? He probably, like, did everything. But if they also have your 12 words, they can take them from you immediately. And then the other half of his comment was that relating to the, the Bcash BTC story that we were talking about, which I think is another great example of, like, here's a person who was in it. Yeah. And experienced it is that... During the blockchain wars, you know, he had BTC, the fork happens, and he got BCH as well. That's Bcash, right? Your keys worked. Everything was the same. And he tried to move both of them and he never got his Bcash. So like, even though there was a fork and even though everything was supposed to work on that other chain, boy here is claiming that like he never got his Bcash. never received it. Yeah. He still technically has his BTC, though, in some way, shape or form. Right. This is all so messy. It's very messy. And that's why, like any type of injection of something else that's not Bitcoin is an attack vector. 
So when Casa said, for example, oh, we're only adding Ethereum because it's like a really popular, it's like, no, 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 buddy. That's an attack vector. You can't even think of all the ways that it's going to be attacked. So don't even include it right now. Oh, another one was from a Bitcoin tech boy. I kind of glossed over this or probably didn't even mention it because it's such a minor thing, but it's important. You have to open up your port on your router to allow the traffic for Bitcoin to come in to your computer. And I had already done that um, because I did that when we set up the Umbral. So I didn't mention that when I was setting up Sparrow, but like it's going to want it to be on a, uh, sorry, when you're setting up your full node. And so it's going to want you to open, um, I forget what port it is. When you're setting up your full node, you'll see what port it is and you need to open that up on your router. If you're seeing a problem and you're not connecting to the Bitcoin network, that's probably what it is. And then the last one I wanted to comment on was um, Gamer Granny. Um, She had a comment about Blue Wallet removing their lightning functionality. That is true. So Blue Wallet had a lightning service that they were running, right? So they they were the custodian of your Bitcoin. But a lot of people are getting out of that game now of hosting their own lightning services because there's so many like lightning as a service products out there now. So it's kind of like, let those people manage that and we'll just integrate with them. So like and on the episode, I listed off some of the different Lightning wallets, but Blue Wallet used to offer their own Lightning service and they don't anymore. But you can't import your Lightning wallets from all those other places now. There was also a lot of positive feedback generally about how I add lightness to the show. <laughs> because these topics can get not heavy, but just, you know dense and I break it up really well. Great feedback, guys. Yeah, the <laughs> the the levity that you bring is definitely a, a bonus to the show. I will not disagree with that because these are very dense topics and they are very like serious in the sense that like if you don't actually understand what you're doing, you could lose a significant amount, if not all of your money. And so one of the things that, you know, for today's episode I think will be the the name of the game is trust, but verify. So like, I'm saying all these things, you're hearing me say all these things, but like, please, you know, like I mentioned, BTC sessions has a bunch of videos, uh, kind of with like walkthroughs of how to do a lot of this stuff, like setting up your node and setting up different wallets, but don't just take my word for it. Like I'm obviously aggregating a lot of information to you, but this is an aggregation of like, probably any topic we talk about, it's like 10 different people right? that I've just kind of been like, well, you don't need to know all of the technical parts of that, but Here's the most important part. Yeah, and you have a full-time job and you're a new dad. Like, we can only expect so much from you. And you have to be a husband to me, which is like a really demanding job in and of itself. As a person who was in the military, this is the most demanding job I've ever had. <laughs> Being my my husband? Yeah. <laughs> well, you knew what you were signing up for. Just like in the military, you knew what you were signing up for here. That's what both groups have you said. You even like, yeah, you even, what groups? My parents. I mean, the military says the same thing. You knew parents, what you were signing up for. And then my parents say it too. <laughs> I mean, your parents have never explicitly said that to me, but your dad has said it with his eyes. <laughs> Episode is going well, yeah? I think so. Wish I had the time to make some clips to promote it. Yeah, but you don't. That's why we pay our listeners to do that. Mm, how does that work again? If someone makes a clip on Fountain, we send them some sets. But give me the fine print, baby. It's two fifty for the current episode and 100 for the older ones. And also if they tweet it out, right? They gotta use the hashtag flirting with Bitcoin clips and post it on Noster for me to see it. Then I'll zap those same amounts. That's pretty generous, babe. Our listeners are pretty generous with their time making the clips. Well, isn't this just a lucrative love fest for us all? More like it pays to listen to the flirting with Bitcoin Bitcoin podcast.
So I have been called out for being a little too agreeable with you, which I think is funny because I don't think I am really, but I don't think I'm directly like probably bringing up the things where I'm like, okay, sure. And there's actually so much. And I think some of it is abstract based on what we just talked about. Like Bitcoin is presented as being an easier option when it comes to security, right? Securing your money, being able to hold your own money. But last week and just now, you're talking about all of these other companies that we have to interact with to safely store our Bitcoin. And when you want to find out who is making these, oh, they're open protocols. These Bitcoiners are just doing it out of the goodness of their heart. And you can check the open source code. I can't check open source code. I don't know how to do that. And so like you just put so much faith in these Bitcoiners. Look, they're just people. And to think like, oh, if you're really into Bitcoin, you're a great person and you just want everyone to win. Like, okay, but what about the people who are like, I'm going to get in this Bitcoin game and I'm going to build one of the best wallets so that one day when Bitcoin like really breaks and is huge, I get to like own the way that people store their Bitcoin. You're telling me they're not thinking that way? Like you put so much trust in these Bitcoiners with their open source software. That didn't sound like a question. That just sounds like a statement. I think it's the reality of where Bitcoin is. And, and I think that at a certain point, if you are trying to move forward in Bitcoin, you want to just give a lot of the stuff the benefit of the doubt because a lot of other people have thought about it. You have to put so much thought into how you're storing your money and you have to be a really smart person. You have to stay up on it. You can still get scammed. Yada, 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 yada. Like, how is this necessarily a better option or is it even going to be a better option until like, all of these things play out for a decade or two. You know, one of the things that really like in the moment I was like, huh, okay. And then of course, you know, I listened to our episode a few times and it was when you're like, yeah, when you only have a little Bitcoin, you can store it yourself, but eventually you would want to store it in one of these custodial services. And I was like, what? Huh? I thought the whole point was that we don't use banks anymore. Is that a statement or a question? I mean, respond. I mean, you, I should you're have my been, husband. You know, you know. I just say things, and I expect you to respond to them. <laughs> I mean, I should have been taking notes <laughs> on on problems. that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to. I, I, I mean, I'm gonna, I feel like you could absorb the energy that I was just giving about like the qualms, those the specific qualms I have around that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying like go into defense mode about it, but do you agree with the things that I just said? No. All right, go. You know, obviously, we're doing this episode in reaction to some of the feedback that we got. And we kind of started having this conversation a little bit. And then we're like, whoa, whoa, we'll save it for the pod. Yeah, I brought up something, not even this. Hopefully, we can get to that later. Um, But you were like, just ready to go. Mm -hmm. And I had to rein it in because... This is when we do Bitcoin talk. Not That's not true. We talk about Bitcoin all day long, but I tried to rein you in, but I'm sure you're really excited. So without further ado, Ian's rebuttal. I'm going to try to respond to what you said, but I feel like you said some stuff that I've kind of already, I didn't get the detail of what you said. So if I misquote you, I apologize. Sure. Your, it sounds like the energy, quote unquote, that you're bringing is I put a lot of trust in Bitcoiners and... I make it sound like Bitcoin is easier than the current system. Then the last thing you said, which was, but when you get to a certain point in Bitcoin, you might want to use a custodial service, which would be the equivalent of a bank. Uh, Yes, easier, but also more secure. Okay. Yeah. But roughly the equivalent of a bank, right? Like it sounds like we're just going back to banks and now they're holding Bitcoin instead of dollars, right? Okay. 
the last one I want to refute first because it is completely the opposite of a bank and it is more secure than a bank. Specifically, talking about Unchained Capital, we use a regular bank, obviously, that's where our paychecks get deposited. And at any given time, those banks can deny us access to the money that is in them. It is impossible for Unchained Capital to do that. Like it is virtually impossible by the design of Bitcoin for Unchained Capital to deny us access to our money. I would argue right there, that is a better system. They couldn't take our money? They cannot take our money. That is why so many people are looking for solutions like that. You want a place to store it. But you don't want the person who you're storing it with to be able to deny you access to it. Is it because they say so or you've looked at their software? It's because I understand how multi-sig Bitcoin works. Now, if you don't understand how multi-sig Bitcoin works, then you can come up with a million scenarios where you think, oh, why isn't this just the same? But it has a fundamental difference at its core. All Unchained Capital is doing is providing me a backup in case I mess up. Like if I lose one of my wallets, they're holding another key, but they can't move the Bitcoin. They can't deny us access to the Bitcoin. There's a login and a password and all that fun stuff to Unchained Capital, but there's an open source project on GitHub where if they deny us access to logging into Unchained Capital, I can still move the Bitcoin off of Unchained Capital. Because you understand software and code. No, because there are literal instructions on how to do it. Okay. Right? And you could do this through Sparrow Wallet. Fine, but I still think this is very complicated. Is it going to become more user-friendly? Is that the assumption? You've been in it for a year. I've been in it for five. There's people who've been in it since day one. It's been getting more user-friendly every day. Okay. I don't think you would have the the confidence how little it is that you might have in it if it wasn't as friendly as it already is. When I say, all you got to do is remember 12 words, it didn't start like that. 12 words is an improvement, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? So there were people that were like, I'm going to lose this private key. (laughs) We need to make this easier. And a group of smart people got together and said, well, what if we just distilled it down to 12 words? Could you remember 12 words? And everyone went, yeah, I could probably like if I if I lost 12 words, that'd be on me. And then everyone, the new group comes in and they go, this is too hard. 12 words. I might forget 12 words. But it's not as simple as 12 words. But it is. You just went through last episode all of the things that you have to do Uh to store and move your Bitcoin. But it is as simple as 12 words. Everything after your 12 words is just if I want to actually move my Bitcoin. Which is what people want to do with their money. Yes and no. Some people just want to make sure that when they go back to it, it's still there. Yes. Even in that situation, there are ways to get screwed and scammed, right? No. No. If you just put it on a cold wallet, put all your Bitcoin on a cold wallet. You don't even need a cold wallet is the point. But let's say you put all of your Bitcoin on a cold wallet. Are Uh you set? I don't understand what is set Do you have to do any of those other things? Or can you just, do you have to diversify the way that you're storing your Bitcoin? No. Okay. No. Like... You don't even need a hardware wallet. You can produce those 12 words with paper and pencil if you wanted to, right? Now, I don't know, listeners out there, if you want to do that or if you've ever attempted to do that, but there are instructions on the internet of how to create a Bitcoin wallet in jail with pencil and paper, Mm -hmm. right? So like if you have very rudimentary tools, you can interact with this system. Everything after that is just ease of use. It's just usability. But fundamentally, 
if I were to generate my 12 words using paper and pencil and then I remember them. Okay. Then, right. Like then why are you, why are people mixing or washing their Bitcoin transactions? Like because the government is spying on the Bitcoin network. Okay. So it doesn't that overcomplicate how you're moving your Bitcoin. Doesn't that make you more vulnerable because then you're interacting with a company or at least one person that's developed something. There's nothing you can do to stop the government from spying on your bank account. Okay. Right? Like if the yeah. government wants, they want to do that, they can. Mm-hmm. And on the Bitcoin network, you at least have a fighting chance. And for a lot of people in the world, maybe not in America, but probably increasingly in America also, that's a pretty big deal to not have your finances subject to the whims of a government that you may disagree with, maybe protesting, right? And we just saw in Canada and other places in the world, but I just used Canada for our North American listeners who would not imagine people's bank accounts getting shut down in the West, people were protesting and they got locked out of their money last year. This isn't like a hypothetical. I understand all of those things, but I still think so, you are very vulnerable using Bitcoin and it's was initially presented or it's continually presented as like, oh, this is more secure. And I think like secure. It is though. It varies. No, this is your, your, it's not perfect. Your point of contention with me is that I put a little too much faith in this whole system. No, that's not the only point of contention. That's the the like energy. It's presented as like perfect is how you. you I'm not presenting it as as perfect. As pure and like. No, 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 no. The securest way. I mean. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. What I'm saying is that the alternative to Bitcoin is not only a failing system, it's a system that literally turns you into a slave. I So no, let me, let me, let me just, can I, I, okay, sure, sure, go. The alternative to Bitcoin is not only a failing system, but it turns you into a slave. You can put, insert any amount of dollars you want to a bank account, sit on it for 10 years, it'll be worth less in the future. Can we agree on that? Not because necessarily that you, the dollar number changed in your bank account, but because everything around you got more expensive. That is the function of the system that Bitcoin is the antithesis to. So is it more secure? Yes. Is it more fair? Yes. Is it more complicated at the moment? Yes. But I would argue that for anybody who has the initiative to say, I no longer want to be a part of that system, the difficulty is worth it. The juice is worth the squeeze. And we're seeing that every four years as people who put in as much as they could afford to put in become not only wealthy, but actually escape this system that was making them poor and poor and poor every year. Like a lot of the I'm not going to speak for every single one of them, but I'm starting to figure out a lot of these Bitcoin content creators are early Bitcoiners that it doesn't even matter if their podcast makes money. It doesn't matter if their newsletter makes money. They are already wealthy. They're so able to do. So, what does that mean? We should just trust and believe everything they say and do. You don't have to trust and believe them. They are living proof that this Bitcoin system helped them escape. But you can say that. Look, I'm not disagreeing completely with that, but I still think you can say that about crypto uh, winners. I don't even know what to call them, but there are people who made a ton of money off random altcoins, right? And I'm willing to bet that a large percentage of them will lose all of it. Because they're gamblers. Because they're gamblers and because they take... Bitcoiners are better than them. They're They're not gamblers. They're gamblers and they take their winnings back into the old system. Maybe. That's why they're losers. 
Maybe. That's why they eventually lose, because they have to keep winning at crypto every time they take their money back into the fiat system. You win a million dollars. You go into the fiat system with a million dollars. If you don't buy real estate or you don't buy hard assets with your crypto winnings and you just hold on to your dollars, you get poorer again. I don't disagree with any of that. So like, so the, the, the point here is that like, yes, I put a lot of faith into this system because I've looked at the math behind this system and it's the only thing that actually uh, makes sense that has ever been explained to me about economics and how things work. That is why I put my faith in Bitcoin is because all the things that they have told us and try to educate people on like how things work and how you become wealthy and how you should invest your money and how you should do all this stuff. Everyone did all of that. And now they're all sitting here about to possibly be poor in their retirement. All of that financial advice they've been given for the last 30, 40, 50 years was wrong. They didn't have another option. Exactly. So now you have another option, but it's a little bit more work. It's a little bit more work. It's a little bit more responsibility. But if you take this other option, you don't have to worry about those people are right or wrong. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah. It's and you worry about whether or not you're going to get scammed. Someone's going to steal all of your money because you make one wrong, one mistake. Yes. It's still pretty high stakes. And I would argue that that's not necessarily how you present it as high stakes. I think you present it as it's work and you're going to have to figure it out and you're going to have to think a little and it's still not that simple. You can be an incredibly smart person and still get scammed. And screwed. People get scammed all the time. Why? Why is that a target of Bitcoin? Why? why? I'm not saying it's. You're asking Bitcoin to be better than the other system. I'm not when it comes to getting scammed. Than like society and vulnerabilities of society. I'm saying in how it's presented Mm -hmm. that, and I think maybe because there's a ton of FUD and all the other things that are going on, I don't think that conversation comes up enough. Of what's the conversation? you, You can still get scammed by other Bitcoiners. And it's only after the fact that you kind of know, oh, well, that person was supposedly a Bitcoiner, but they're not really a Bitcoiner. And then, like, say the word Bitcoiner enough, it loses all meaning. So, like... It's an opinion. I hear what you're saying. Like, there's a fundamental part to getting scammed. It's a matter of completing the transaction. I don't know if you ever actually got one of them. They're legend, right? Like the Nigerian prince email. Yeah, I'm sure I have. Okay, fine. We all got them. Oh, gonna, yeah, I have gotten them. I'm going to assume we've all gotten that email. We didn't all respond to it. I just don't think that's the same thing. It's very much the same thing. Because there are a certain number of people in the world that know for a fact that there is no Nigerian prince that's writing you an email. Right. But and there are a certain number of people on this planet who still haven't figured that out. Yeah. The example that but that's Boy a, gave of the, you know, the, the lightning wallet, right? Yeah. And getting scammed in that situation. Mm-hmm. What about that? What about it? Is, is I mean, I don't know any of the details, babe. I, I have a very loose understanding of what I happened. I know, I know. Based on what he said, if someone has your keys, yes, they're going to take your Bitcoin. You can guarantee that. Yeah. If I have your keys and I don't like you, I might just take your Bitcoin, right? Like, but hopefully I don't have your keys. Yeah, but I'm saying I assume in that situation he didn't know that that gave someone else access to his keys. Correct. So here's my point. Everything outside of... And I, even like I said, like your 12 words are technically a convenience factor because there's something that those 12 words generate. That's actually your private key. Once you have your 12 words and you can generate an XPUB from that, never write your 12 words down or I guess memorize them and import that XPUB into something like Sparrow Wallet where you can always you have a way to send Bitcoin to your 12 words. 
I mean, that's as simple as it gets. Like, you know, I'm like thinking of- if you never connect those 12 words to the internet. You're secure. And you never tell them to anyone. And you never, ever type them into any other system. It's literally like you buried a bar of gold in the middle of the desert and only you know where it is. Okay. But coming in from the perspective of the spouse of a Bitcoiner mm-hmm. and not even just me being your spouse, I'm thinking about all of the people that we say, yeah, listen to our podcast. Your spouse is, you know, on the fence. Like, I think it's really important for them to understand, like, if your spouse slips up and gets an email to try out some new Bitcoin thing or sees a tweet about some beta test or alpha test and they go in they can make you lose all of your Bitcoin. That is 1000% true. I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah, and I think that's, I put a lot of trust in you and I and I think that you're really responsible. I'm not really necessarily worried about it, but like you could slip up too. But I really like, for the people who are on the fence and they are sharing money with somebody else and this is actually like their savings or the retirement plan, all of those things like, I think it, it it gets scarier if their spouse is like out here just trying to try all the new stuff mm-hmm. and wants to be like an active Bitcoiner. Like maybe just take a step back. Look, I 100% agree with that sentiment, right? And I don't think that's the sentiment but that have, has been expressed up until this point from you. I, I agree with that sentiment, but there's another side to that sentiment, which is my critique of you. That I'm not in it enough. That's not exactly the way that I would phrase it. But the way you're going to hear it is that way, right? So my critique of you is that you're solely relying on me to present you with information. While you have said I'm a great teacher or I explain things very simply, there's a very big difference between me teaching you something and you learning something. Yeah, I agree. And so when people learn something on their own, they connect the dots. It sticks with you a lot longer than if someone just tells you it is the way it is because that's the way I said it is. So I think that yourself included and a lot of these significant others who are on the fence, you could just say, don't do it. You could have all these worries or you could actually do a little learning because I think if you did a little learning and didn't rely on me just teaching you stuff that a lot of these things that you're concerned about, you wouldn't be concerned about. You have other concerns. But you're on top of stuff. And even like, let's go back to Ledger, like you changed your mind about it afterwards. So even if you're on top of it, you're significant and you're the non-Bitcoiner spouse or significant other and you're getting into it too, you can still make a mistake and get scammed because this stuff is complicated. Right. But wouldn't it be easier if there were two people trying not to get scammed instead of one? Yeah, that's true. Right. So like. But do you do you have to be that aggressive about trying every new thing? I don't think trying every new thing with ten dollars is a big deal. Like I don't. I do think you should try everything because when you try everything, you see what's good and what's not. I don't know exactly if you're referring to something in particular, but like I just tried using River yesterday because I heard everyone talking about River. I've been hearing about it for a while. I didn't really care because I use Strike or whatever, but River is cleaner. That's for sure. What is River? It's just another place to buy Bitcoin like mm-hmm. Strike or, or Swan, right? But my point is, is that like... You wouldn't hook up a wallet to that that stored all your Bitcoin. Yeah. No, like, yeah. I mean, it's... To live in a world where you think people aren't trying to steal from you and think people aren't trying to scam you is silly. That is what the internet is. Bitcoin. That is what the hu- humanity is. Yes, the internet gives humanity reach to you. Right. Right. Okay. okay. 
So now the best scammers in the world can can get at you, right? Mm-hmm. We used to be able to keep them out. They had to send you mail in the in the postal service. Then we just blocked all the mail from Nigeria. I guess I don't know. Poor Nigeria. <laughs> but like my point is, is That's that an unfair stereotype on Nigerians? Other countries have scammers too that email. I, I'm sure that they do. I'm just saying none of them are as famous as the Nigerian prince. Yeah. So take it with pride. Like I don't think they do, but okay. <laughs> I mean, no one's talking about the Thailand the, the Thailand prince or the Cambodian prince. Like they got some hustlers in Nigeria. Is all I'm saying. All right, all right. I'm just saying I don't think they like it. They don't have to like it. It is what it is. It's important to recognize how the world is, and people have chosen. Or people are choosing to get scammed in one of two ways, either very overtly or very subvertly. And I would argue that the fiat system is a very subversive scam in that people believe in it so much and they have so much faith in it that when someone brings you something new that's like engineered to be better than that system, they argue, they fight and they scream that it's not better. And because of that fight that people put up against Bitcoin in particular, the fiat system is able to continue on a little bit longer and they get to inflate away everyone's life savings just a little bit longer and they get to make people poorer just a little bit longer. Right. But the getting scammed on Bitcoin, it happens like that. If someone takes your keys and takes your Bitcoin, there's no like, oh, I don't know. Did the Fed like what? It's like, no, you got robbed, buddy. It's very simple. It hurts. It hurts. Now. Getting robbed over your lifetime hurts a lot more because at the end of your life, when you have nothing to show for your 70 years of work, like that's got to hurt. I mean, I feel like both hurt. I don't even know if we need to make a comparison there. Well, I think I think you do need to make a comparison because the alternative to Bitcoin is the existing system. I'm not saying look, and I think this is the issue. And I think this goes into like the next thing I'd like to talk about. A criticism of Bitcoin is not supporting the current system. And I think that's the problem. It Like that leap is made where it's like, well, what's your other option? And it's like, no, I'm just criticizing Bitcoin right now. Right. But you and, can- and there should be the ability to criticize Bitcoin, because like you said, it evolves, it improves the user experience, all of it improves. And it, it's only going to improve with criticism. I'm not I'm not arguing that. But when when someone makes a critique of Bitcoin, as, as, as you said, like it's harder that's it's harder than I believe you present it to be. I believe it's harder than you initially have presented it to me. I think you make blanket statements sometimes. And then when we delve into it and then I learn other things from our listeners, I'm like, this is incredibly messy and a huge risk and blah, blah, everything I've just talked about. And I don't believe that you always present it that way. I don't believe most Bitcoiners that are talking about Bitcoin who have been in it for at least five years, for example, talk about those things anymore because it's just a matter of fact. But for people who are new to it or people who are trying to join their significant other on this journey, I don't believe you guys want to talk about it this way because it's going to instill fear, right? And hesitation and all of those things. That's my general point. I'm not saying Bitcoin has these issues, so let's go back to fiat. I think that the the criticism, not necessarily of Bitcoin, of like more of how I present Bitcoin as being easier than it actually is, is... Is it fair? I don't want to use the word fair, but 
there's there's something to it, but I think it goes a little bit deeper. Part of the reason why we can even do this podcast or part of the reason why like I would even feel comfortable doing this podcast is because like at my core, I feel like I'm a lifelong learner. I have periods of my life where I just don't care to learn anything new, I guess. But like for the most part, I'm always interested in something new. I'll give it a shot. I want to see if there's any truth to what is being said, especially if the purported claims are that it will make things better some way. There's tons of stuff, tons of rabbit holes. I guess that's the new term that we go to, we call these things. There's tons of rabbit holes that I go down where I get to the bottom. Like that's crap. Like that's a scammer. That's a hustler. Like I don't, I don't need to go any further for all of the things that I have gone through. Bitcoin is the only one that not only is like um, very upfront with what it's presenting, that it actually opens up other things to learn. And the more you learn, easier the Bitcoin part is, right? Like the Bitcoin part is just a, a, a culmination of all these other things that I feel like we as society haven't really learned together. Together meaning like no one sat you down and taught you all these things at once. But for me, Bitcoin is easy because I have sat down and read all those other things as well. But if you're a person, and I think this falls for, you know, we, we said the other day that Bitcoin's at like, let's call it 1% adoption. I think this goes for like the other 99% that haven't adopted it yet. They don't want to learn anything new. So if you don't want to learn anything new, yes, this is hard, I right? I think like, that's like an oversimplification. I disagree. I, yeah, I, I disagree. I really like, disagree with that. We went, we went to the farmer's market the other day and I had on my Bitcoin hat and Mary, our farmer, Ask me, what does that mean? I wore this hat around multiple times, wear it out in public. It's the same symbol. It's infinity over 21. You don't explain it well. It doesn't matter. There are people that ask the question, what is that? And there are people that don't. And it's like 1% of the population, right? 1% of the population has actually asked me, what does that mean? They're not curious people. Everyone's just trying to get on with their lives, go to sleep, wake up the next day and do whatever it is to do the next day. And that's fine. I don't really knock people for that. But if you want to actually get ahead in the world, you cannot stop learning. That's the point is that you cannot stop learning. You cannot stop asking questions. You know, this TV show that we love, Ted, uh, Ted Lasso, there's a very great scene in Ted Lasso where he's playing darts and the guy's like, I'll play you in a game of darts so that you don't bother the soccer team or whatever. Ted Lasso is a great show about soccer. Go watch it if you haven't. It's on Apple TV. Football. Football. Yes. So at the very end of the match, Ted's, a, you know, this is a close game or whatever. And he goes in this monologue and he basically says, like, people have underestimated me because they never ask questions. They're judgmental. They don't ask questions. He's like, if they did ask questions, they would have asked me before they challenged me to a game of darts. Hey, Ted, do you play darts? <laughs> like that scene is Bitcoin. To me, that scene was Bitcoin. To me, that scene was you could totally have avoided this humiliating defeat that you're about to experience in this bar in front of your ex-wife and this American a college football coach who's coaching your former soccer team, you could have avoided all of this embarrassment if you had just asked one question. But that's not the case here. It's if you've asked a hundred questions. No, it's not because you have to ask one question and that one question will lead you to other questions. But if you don't ask the first question, you're never going to get those the other answers. And I'm not talking about people who don't ask that first question. I'm talking about people who have asked a lot of those questions and they think that they're safe for a second and then they find out they're not. And I, you know, I'll give you the last word on this because I think we're both saying similar things. You're just taking it a step further. But 
I still go back to the pers- my perspective and I would hope some of our listeners' perspectives who are, my partner is really into Bitcoin. We put our money into Bitcoin and it was sold to me as something that's safer, easier to secure, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And it is not that simple. It is much more complicated than that. And I might not be paying attention enough to really see how complicated it actually is. But they don't really acknowledge to me, maybe they almost got scammed or they, they did get scammed one time, but it was just $10. You know, that that's what I'm saying. And I hope you could agree with that for the perspective of, that I'm bringing to this. I see where you're coming from. I acknowledge where you're coming from. <laughs> it's like we're in therapy. <laughs> but I, I do not think that this is difficult. I think if people want to understand this, they can understand it. It requires the ability and the desire to want to learn something new. And I feel like people just don't have that. I, I truly feel that. I feel like people do not want to learn about something new because it's hard. And people don't like hard things. And when it comes to learning stuff, I like learning hard things. I really do. I like the fact that I understand what a bunch of, uh, they're not even theoretical physics because they're proving themselves now, but like a bunch of plasma physicists at some college that I would have never gotten into when I was 18. I can sit and watch one of their YouTube videos and I understand what they're saying. I enjoy that. Do I enjoy knowing the latest dance craze on TikTok? No, I don't. I don't. And so people pick what they put their time into. And I would argue that there's no value in putting your time into learning what's new on TikTok, but there's a lot of value in learning how Bitcoin works. Because if you learn how Bitcoin works, you might not be poor in the future. listening to the show. Now let's get you set up on Fountain so you can start earning money simply by listening to podcasts. It's time to join the Fountainhead Nation. Go to Fountain.fm to download the app onto your phone. Once you've installed the app and have set up your account, search for Flirting with Bitcoin and follow us. You should also be able to find and follow every other podcast you listen to as well. Listen to our show and episodes from your other favorite podcasts to earn your first sats, which are fractions of a Bitcoin. And keep an eye out for our promoted episodes on Fountain's homepage. We promote every episode so you can earn up to 100 sats just for listening. Yeah, that's right. Your attention's valuable to us. You're not just a set of earballs we've collected for advertisers. You can use the sats you've earned to send us a boost, which is like a little payment with a message. We are very active and respond to almost all the boosts we get. Every episode, we also give a shout out to the top boosters from the previous episode. And if you want to support us or other podcasters with more sats than you earn, you can top up your fountain wallet with a bank card or a lightning transfer from apps like Strike or Cash App. The easiest way to learn is to just get started. If you have any trouble or questions, go to support.fountain.fm. The team is extremely helpful and responsive. That's it. Now you're all set up for podcasting 2.0.